Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. We continue in our sermon series, Hebrews. Jesus, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice and our prayer should be for Villa's Grace Church should be that we are a church that believes that wholeheartedly and we live that truth out. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you in worship this morning, I pray that we examine our own hearts. And now as we turn to your word, we have an opportunity to do just that. We need to continue to learn how to allow your Holy Spirit to convict us as it pertains to us growing in you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus who makes it possible. Amen. It's abundantly clear if you are watching the news in current events that there is no peace for Ukraine currently. We should be praying for peace in Ukraine. We should be praying for this peace to be achieved. But we should be praying for the peace that needs to happen in Ukraine to be achieved through the one and only way in which peace can be obtained in Ukraine. Now, there may be temporary peace, but the one way that everlasting peace can be brought about, and that's brought about by the Holy Spirit, Him and His work. We should be praying for peace through Him. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit within us that this can be achieved. Never in the history of mankind, never, not once, has peace ever really been achieved through military might or been brought about by man himself. I think what you're looking at, this image on the screen, could tell you as much. Because if you really think about it, 80 plus years ago, they should have achieved peace in this part of the world, and we're still fighting. I believe it was the world war to end all wars, which rolled into another great war, which potentially were on the brink of another. And when I see all of this happening, the first thing that comes to mind for me is man can't do it on his own power. Peace can only be achieved through the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we need to be praying daily for this situation. But we need to be praying not only for peace, but we need to be praying for salvations. What an opportunity for the Lord to reveal Himself in such a tragic part of our history in humanity. There is an opportunity for people to come to a saving faith in Christ because of what it is that they're experiencing brought about this destruction by the hands of men, not only from one nation to another, but we're talking many nations have been playing a role in what we see 
playing out in the Ukraine. So our job as believers is to pray for Christ to be revealed to the people of Ukraine. And, and speaking of no peace being brought about by, by man, after all, we are sinful, correct? I want to read this from Isaiah 57, 21. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Church, those who know peace know God's grace. Those who know grace can live grace out as an example for others to come to know Jesus. And this is the reason why we have titled our sermon today, Grace by Example. Grace by example. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. And as we get into this text this morning, we can't forget last week because one of the reasons why we go verse by verse through books of the Bible here at Villa's Grace is because we want to preach God's entire counsel in context. So last week we talked about discipline and punishment. If you remember, we talked about how Trials and tribulations and suffering that we experience in our lives may just be God's discipline so we can live out a better future with Him. So therefore, discipline isn't necessarily a bad thing because discipline is always for the future. Whereas punishment is just a little bit different, whereas punishment ultimately always leads to death. So therefore, God punished Jesus on the cross so He could discipline us. Because if God punished us, we wouldn't be resurrected. Only Jesus could take God's punishment, die, be buried, and then be raised from the grave. We discussed all of this, but today we need to keep that in mind as we're going to be encouraged to lead by example now. Now that we know that God's discipline in our life is really connected to grace because He's extended us His grace, now we're going to learn how to live from the grace of God so therefore we can be an example to others so they can come to a saving faith in Jesus as well. So let's get into this text this morning, Hebrews Chapter 12, starting with verse 12 and ending with verse 17. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Amen. As we look at these verses this morning, we're going to go ahead and put them into this one sentence that defines everything that we just read in God's Word. And that one sentence states this. It's very simple. The Lord is revealed when grace is lived out. The Lord is revealed when grace is lived 
out. And what we really could say is when we live from grace, God reveals Jesus to others. And not only others, but when we live from grace, Jesus is constantly revealed to us, and it's a reminder, it's an encouragement to keep living from grace. Now, think about what I'm saying, living from grace. I'm not saying living for grace. That is something entirely different. In fact, that is anti-gospel. We don't live for God's grace, because if we could live for God's grace, then we could do something to earn God's grace. And after all, grace is a gift given freely. It is something that we did not it is through grace that we have faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Some of you are sports fans, and some of you who are sports fans in particular, you like boxing. But see, for those of you that do not know anything about boxing, you do know that boxers can only use their hands. But you need to also understand something else. See, a boxer when they become tired, they could have a tendency to drop their hands. Boxers have to keep their hands up. And there's a reason for that. Because a boxer's hands are not only for offense, but they're also for defense. So the boxer protects themselves against their opponent with their hands. And the boxer also goes on the offensive against their opponent with their hands. But a boxer cannot protect themselves or defend themselves, or not defend, I mean, go on the offensive if their hands are down. So a boxer must always keep their hands up. Brothers and sisters, the spiritual warfare that we face daily is exhausting. Let's face it. It is exhausting. Similar to a boxer, we must then keep our hands up. We have to be ready to defend ourselves at all times. But if we fail to do so, then we risk getting spiritually pummeled. And when we get spiritually pummeled, we become weak in the knees. Hands up, defense is proper, not exhausted, knees stay strong. Hands drop, we're exhausted, we get pummeled spiritually and are weak. Knees tell us all that we need to know. We are on the canvas, knocked out, pummeled, and we're encouraged in as much in our first two verses this morning, starting with verse 12. What does it say right there at the gate? It says, drooping hands and weak knees. These are indicators of exhaustion. We all can become spiritually fatigued. We're all facing things in our lives. We're all suffering. We're all experiencing trials and tribulations that could cause spiritual fatigue. But church, when we do, let's not forget the hope that's found here in verse 12. The author of Hebrews is saying, lift and strengthen. Don't let your hands droop. Lift them. Strengthen. Therefore, see how he started though in verse 12? Therefore. And as we've said before, whenever there's a therefore, we ask the question, why is the therefore therefore? Now we go back to the discipline that we talked about last week. 
When we experience suffering in our lives, it's really God's discipline in our lives to prepare us for a future with Him. So when you get exhausted in this life, keep your hands up because you know that you have a future with Him, which is evidenced through whatever it is that you're suffering in in the moment. A boxer who trains with drooping hands will experience weak knees on fight night. How you train is how you perform. A boxer who trains with their hands up will have strong knees to endure the exhaustion that is coming their way. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, life has not been easy for any of us from start until now. And if we think that it has, we're really ignoring and not yielding to God's discipline. Brothers and sisters, God's discipline is our training. And every day of our lives is training day. Another aspect of a boxer's training and conditioning is actually achieved through running. Boxers know that they need to be in good shape. So what do they do? They run. Make straight paths for your feet, it says here. Runners who race know the importance of staying in their lanes. You have to stay in your lane when you run. I want to read this from John MacArthur who said this about this particular notion. He says, staying in your own lane in the race is important. Because when you get out of your lane, you not only disqualify yourself, but often interfere with other runners. A runner never intentionally gets out of his lane. He only does so when he is distracted or careless. When he loses his concentration on the goal or when fatigue robs him of the will to win. See, we can relate to that, can't we? We lose concentration. We become fatigued. And then we, when we do, God's discipline is not effective in our lives. And we know it's not effective because our hands are dropped. Our knees become weak. We need to stay in our lanes and run straight towards Jesus. And this is important, also revealed by MacArthur. I'm going to continue with another quote that is connected with this one. When we run, we leave a track behind us which will either lead or mislead others. We should take great care that the tracks we leave are straight. The only way we will leave a straight track is to live right and run a straight course. Brothers and sisters, this is grace by example. That what is lame are the ones who are actually tripped up and misled. When you see that here in the text. The ones who quickly forget that God's discipline prepares us for our future with Him. Be the grace by example that leads the spiritual healing of Jesus to others. People only know about Jesus because God works through humanity to reveal who He is. When God sees you living from the grace that He's extended to you, 
They will come to a saving faith in Jesus. The Hebrews in which this letter is specifically addressed, they actually needed this encouragement at that time. See, they were tempted to go back to the Levitical system of sacrifice. And that's where we go back and say they were actually attempting to live for grace. That old system of legalism. A lot of people use the term legalism, but they have absolutely no clue what that actually means. See, what it means to be legalistic, it means this, it means I do this, therefore God is pleased with me. I earned God's favor because of what I did. See, that's the problem because God's not really concerned that you don't do this, that, or this, or that, or whatever it may be. God's more concerned with what you actually do. When sin is brought to your attention, do you live from His grace by repenting from the sin? That's an excellent opportunity to share your faith with others. Most people who don't know Jesus would say, hey, I'm not perfect, I make mistakes. And when they make a mistake, they say sorry. They ask for forgiveness because they made a mistake. They're sorry for what they did. As believers, we don't make mistakes. We know that we're sinful. Therefore, we don't say sorry, we ask for forgiveness. And when we ask for forgiveness, what we're saying is, I acknowledge what I did, and because I'm asking for forgiveness, I'm able to turn from what I did and turn back towards God because I got off course. That's allowing God's discipline to train you. That's learning to keep your hands up so your knees don't get Weak. After all, I don't know about you, but I don't want to know what it's like to be on the canvas. Wait, hold on. Yes, I do know. We all should know. We've all been spiritually pummeled, haven't we? None of us are immune to any of this. We should all know what it feels like. So keep your hands up. Brothers and sisters, allow God's discipline to be what lifts your drooping hands. Allow God's discipline be what it is that strengthens your weak knees. We need Him and His discipline each and every day because as we stated, every day in the life of a believer is in fact training day. And with that being said, we could summarize these two verses by saying this. Those who train under God's discipline, lead others to Jesus. It's those who train under God's discipline that lead others to Jesus because after all, nobody's going to come to Jesus because you don't do this and you don't do that and you're just Mr. Christian or Mrs. Christian or Mr. or Mrs. Perfect. That's not why people will come to Jesus. People will come to Jesus when they see your humility when they see your humbleness, when you admit your sinfulness before them, when you realize, no, it isn't that I make mistakes, it's that I'm sinful and I need the Lord to train me so I can be in a relationship with Him later. In fact, follow me as I follow Jesus because Paul does say that. But part of following Christ is learning how to be active in your repentance. And I know it's not easy because after all, training's not easy. Training's hard work, but the results are incredible. And the ultimate 
end for us as believers is to be in relationship with the Lord for all of eternity. Let's not forget what we said at the beginning of all these verses this morning so far. We've said that the Lord is revealed when grace is lived out. And speaking of following in the tracks of others, and going back to the outset when we started this morning and speaking of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky is the president of Ukraine. Some of you have been seeing him in the news lately, and as Russia invades, he's actually leading Ukraine from the front. He's gone from little known throughout the world on the world stage to being well known at this point because he's actually leading his country from the front. He had a very now famous quote this last week when Russia first invaded President Biden offered him a ride out of the country to escape the invasion. He responded to the president by saying, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. His people are following his lead. He's leading by example. And as you've noticed the vast majority of the world is rallying behind him for his willingness to sacrifice himself in order to lead his people. Brothers and sisters, we cannot forget that we lead by example too. We're called to be an example of God's grace. Now, we may not ever be on the world stage like President Zelensky, the spotlight may not be on us, but that's okay. The way in which we lead can be just as effective. Each and every one of us has a network of people that we know that gets to see us live from God's grace where we can share Christ and Him crucified. After all, within that network, we never know who's watching. And we see all of this starting in verse 14 because we're told to strive for peace with everyone. Everyone. Jesus actually said this before his return. This is from Matthew 24, 6. I'm just going to read it for you. Jesus himself said, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. Brothers and sisters, What's happening right now in Ukraine, for example, has not shocked or surprised the Lord. He's not shocked or surprised by any of it. But it's only by the power of His Holy Spirit within us that we can actually achieve peace. Peace only comes about because we know who Christ is and it's the Holy Spirit, Him, who lives in us. He's the one that teaches us about everlasting peace. We know as believers that no man, no war, no conflict will ever bring about peace. Maybe it will temporarily, but temporary peace isn't true peace. We're talking true, everlasting peace that can only be achieved by those who actually know Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit Himself who teaches us all about who He is. And the key word when we look at this is Everyone. 
So how can we pray for peace in Eastern Europe, but yet harbor hostility towards other people in our own lives? Because we all do it. I'm seeing nothing but a bunch of hypocrites right now. You do too. We want to pray for peace in the Ukraine, but then we got beef with somebody over here. We got a politician saying that they're going to support Ukraine, but then do absolutely nothing about it. It says everyone. Everyone. We should pray for the same peace in a warring nation where innocent people are being slaughtered as we would with individuals in our own lives. The key word is also everyone, because if not, it says no one will see the Lord. This is achieved when we practice grace by example. And when we practice grace by example, we strive toward holiness, as it says here. See, which is actually the same as sanctification. Now, sanctification is that big, large, I would say, I know I've said this before, like it used to be the $25 seminary word, but due to inflation, it's like $37.95 now. Sanctification actually leads to holiness. And really what it means is this. Sanctification is to be set apart. So God has set us apart to take us through this process to make us holy, like He is holy. And we have to be made holy like He is holy in order to be in a relationship with Him because God can't be in a relationship with a bunch of sinful people. And if you think that He can, get over yourself. He has to make us holy as He is holy in order to be in a relationship with us. That's why we're going through His discipline that we talked about last week because it's forward, it's future thinking. God is always on His A game. Even when sin first entered creation, still on His A game. Even as the Russians invade Ukraine, God's still on His A game. Nothing will deter Him from doing what He has set out to do. And He's using us to achieve that. Our job now is to live from God's grace, to be graced by example for others to see so they can come to a saving faith in Jesus. Not because we've already established, because we said that we're perfect. Not because we always make the right decisions and do the right things. No, it's because we're willing to admit who we are without Jesus. And when we do that, we highlight and uplift the reason why we actually need Him. The Bible is clear in Galatians that we are to bear one another's burdens. This is the same as what it says here in verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Failing to obey God's discipline leads to, as it says here, bitterness and causes trouble. See, we have to see God's discipline through the perspective of God's grace. Church, grace is always available to us. There is no sin that could keep us from God's grace. Actually, let me take that back for one second. There is one sin in Scripture that could keep you from the grace of God, but that sin, as it stated, is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which basically is saying you're denying that Jesus is who God says that He is in God's Word. Because after all, Jesus is the Word. 
So the only unforgivable sin is to deny Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Other than that, you can commit any sin and still come to a saving faith in Christ. All sins are forgivable. And I think it's also good to note, as we've discussed, that God's grace is always available. God's grace is always appropriate, always appropriate for any situation. One commentator says it best when he says this. He says, God's grace is undeserved, unsought, and cannot be bought. Think about that. God's grace, unsought, untaught, and cannot be bought. The problem is with our Western mentality, and one of the reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing in this world and how this world is changing so rapidly is Western culture thinks everything can be bought. We think things are for sale. There's evidence in the Bible. People thinking that they could buy the access to the Holy Spirit. We see that in the book of Acts. It's very clear. What God gives us due to His grace is unsought. We don't seek it. It's untaught. We can't learn it. And it's unbought. Now, can we learn God's grace after we receive it? Yes. But we can't learn of it prior to. We have to receive the Holy Spirit. He is the one who teaches us this truth. We don't teach it to ourselves. See, Grace is extremely important because grace transforms our lives. It's transformative. Live from His grace so other lives can be transformed too. Grace instructs our lives. Live from His grace. When we live from His grace, we're allowing his grace to instruct us. Grace glorifies the Lord ultimately. We need to live from His grace by practicing grace by example. We can all be leaders. And as believers, we've been called to be leaders. And we lead by the power of God's grace. So as Joe comes up and joins me, we're reminded in verse 16 that Esau sold his birthright for a single meal. He sold his birthright, as we remember from his brother, for a single meal, a bowl of stew. He gave up his entire birthright. He was the firstborn. Even as a twin, he came out first. He was going to receive the blessing from his father. But he gave it all up for one Meal simply because he was hungry. He chose instant gratification over the Lord's discipline. He chose the temporal over the eternal. And I think that's very important for us to remember. We cannot choose what is temporary over what lasts forever. Brothers and sisters, when we live from grace, we'll choose the future over the present every time. When we live from grace, we live according to God's timing and not our own. 
Esau is a wonderful example of living according to one's own timing. Because what does it say? It says, For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. It was too late. His time was up. He sought it with tears, but he had no chance to repent. For those of you who are wondering if you're saved, there are those of you among us this morning. You're sitting here and you're wondering, am I really, truly saved? It's not too late for you. It's not too late. There's still time for you to repent. But the question you should be asking yourself, if you find yourself questioning your salvation, the question you should ask is, who's my grace by example? Who's the grace by example that I've been observing? Who's been showing me how to repent? Because they know they've received this gift of salvation from the Lord through the person and work of Jesus. And for those of you who already know that you're saved, who are confident that you have eternal security with the Lord forever, maybe that person that the other person is asking who their grace by example is, maybe it's actually you. Maybe you are graced by example in somebody else's life and you don't even know it. Challenge yourself if that's the case. Challenge yourself. Especially if you don't even know it. Challenge yourself to be grace by example. And if you do not know, for sure, if you know the Lord, if anything that was said resonates with you, if you know that, no, you don't make mistakes, if you know that, yes, I know that I am sinful, be confident that the Holy Spirit is in you, convicting you, because that's what it's all about. It's not about living a perfect existence. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, we go back to the beginning in verse 12 where it says, therefore. When we allow the Holy Spirit's conviction, we allow the Lord's discipline to train us to keep those hands up, keep those knees strong, so we can continue in that process called sanctification, a.k.a. the process that God takes us through to make us holy, to be in a relationship with Him, not just for now, not just for today, tomorrow, or next month, or next year, or five, or ten years, or a hundred years from now, for all of eternity. So let's finish by saying this then. As we look at verses 14, 15, 16, and 17. If we want to summarize these verses, we'd say it just like this. Those who live from grace, or those who live from God's grace, shall we say, lead others to Jesus. Those who live from God's grace lead others to Jesus. Because after all, you may not know, it might just be you that is the grace by example for somebody else. Again, our first point this morning stated this, 
Those who train under God's discipline lead others to Jesus. And finally, our main idea this morning said this. The Lord is revealed when grace is lived out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue to pray for the sin in the world and the pain and suffering that it brings, I pray that we can be an example here with the relationships that we have to bring people to a saving faith in you because of what they see you doing through your spirit in our lives. Also, Lord, we want to pray for peace, the type of peace that's meant for everyone. We know that we can achieve these things through the work of Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.